Heroic Teachers podcast. This podcast is being created to help yoga teachers teach with passion, avoid burnout and earn a fair living. This episode is part of our useful resources mini-series and we're looking at planning your calendar. A little while ago, we looked at ways to increase productivity and effectiveness, and you loved that episode. Thank you so much for all of your feedback, by the way. So I thought as part of this useful resources mini-series, it would be really sensible to look much more at time management, creating downtime, how to be as effective as possible with your time, making sure you don't double book yourself, etc. Before we jump into that, let's just take a step back for a moment. Usually, a yoga teacher's journey is something like this. We get into yoga because it really helps to feel our best. We fall in love with it, so much so that we want to deepen our knowledge and then share the practice with others. We embark on a teach training that is hopefully full, full, full of useful and relevant information about the practice of yoga and teaching yoga. And it's likely, hopefully, inspiring and enlightening and you learn so much about yourself that you just cannot wait to share it with others. So when you graduate, you say yes, yes, yes to every single opportunity like Jim Carrey in that film, uh, Yes Man. (laughs) But you also keep your life as it was going, looking after others, maintaining maybe um, another job, um, any study, uh, household tasks, social life, etc, etc. Now, just because you graduated as a yoga teacher doesn't mean that you get more hours in a day. (laughs) And it doesn't mean that you have a magic new pot of energy available to you. So we get burnt out or pretty damn close to it. And that's what this podcast is all about, avoiding that, helping you build up your knowledge, your skills and your habits to ensure that you can pursue your dreams, but not at the detriment of your health. Each yoga class, um, workshop, course session, private yoga session, etc., will probably include all or some of the following. Travel time, planning time, opening up and checking in time, time afterwards to answer any questions, maybe clean down a bit, time to check software, set up camera, etc. if it's an online class. This podcast episode breaks down how to ensure you're not taking on too much, but also how to ensure that you're making the best of the opportunities that come your way. We'll look at not double booking, not running around like a headless chicken, but also not missing out on opportunities. What practicalities to consider, ways that you can have an oversight of your current and upcoming work and much more. All right, let's crack on. First things first, starting in the most completely obvious place is to have one calendar. (laughs) That is to have a calendar, but just one, so that all of your commitments are in one place. Years ago, a yoga teacher just didn't turn up 
to teach her workshop at Yoga Hero because she'd put the workshop in her work calendar. But that morning she'd only consulted her personal calendar, which showed that she had a free day. So she went off out for the day. Now, obviously, that was pretty rubbish for the people who'd booked and come along. And um, for me, (laughs) explaining that the workshop wasn't going ahead, um, whatever, it's easily avoidable. And situations like this definitely should be avoided. You'll be going to great lengths to find your yogis and to develop an ongoing relationship with them. Well, all that work is pointless if you miss a session or you don't turn up or you get the time wrong, etc. So have all your commitments in one place. If that's a paper diary or planner, that is absolutely fine. But bear in mind, you'll probably need to take it everywhere with you. Just think, how often does someone you know come to your class and afterwards they say, we should really go for coffee. When are you free? Or remind me, when is that workshop that you're teaching? So you want to have the dates right there in front of you without having to say, oh, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you or risking double booking yourself. Obviously, we live in an age where it's really easy to have your calendar online and therefore it syncs across your smartphone, your laptop, etc. So it's always up to date. But you know you, you know how you like to work and so you'll pick the best format for you. Just make sure that everything is in there. Two. Have all your roles in this one calendar. So this is building on the first point. All of your roles can be within one calendar, but still separately. So your non-yoga job, if you have one, your yoga teaching, your social commitments, any family commitments, things that you do for yourself, etc. If you're using a paper planner, you might colour code the different roles in there. Or if you use something like Google Calendar, you can set up calendars within that, which I've made sound really complicated, but it really isn't. (laughs) Um, I personally use Google Calendar. It just felt like the easiest place to keep everything central for me. Um, And within that, I have one calendar for my yoga classes, one for my other work commitments, a calendar for my little family, one for time off, etc. And if I'm taking some downtime, I just turn off the views of my work roles and uh, ta-da, I don't think about them anymore or while I turned off. Three, continuing to build on this same point because it is exceptionally important and it's non-negotiable, is making sure that everything is in this one calendar. Using a calendar effectively goes a long way to freeing up your brain for creativity, problem solving, planning, resting, etc. rather than having to remember commitments and appointments. So make sure that everything is in your calendar. So for example, for a class at the studio in the next town, you would put in the class, of course, But consider putting in opening up time before the class, travel time before that, so that you don't accidentally book in a Zoom call when you should be on the move to your class. (laughs) And of course, booking in the locking up time and traveling home time afterwards. 
As a side note here, this gives you an overview of how much time one class takes out of your day. So if you end up with too many classes and not enough free time, this will help you decide which class or classes to drop to free up maximum free time. You might consider putting in locations for the classes and other commitments. So you can see at a glance if um, a cover opportunity comes up at a time when you're free, you can see if you can actually get there in time. Consider where you'll be traveling from and how you'll travel. It's so easy and tempting to say, yeah, I'll do that before you realize you'll be in a different part of town or you don't know how you'll get there. All in all, <laughs> we're looking to avoid running around like a headless chicken. Okay, so to summarize so far, we have one calendar with all our roles in and all our commitments in, but four, do not put your tasks in. <laughs> So, okay, this is potentially a little bit controversial. This is an approach from the book Getting Things Done by David Allen, which is just completely brilliant, by the way. For a long time, I would block out time in my calendar to achieve tasks like 8 till 9 a.m. reply to emails, 9 till 10 a.m. plan the week's social media, 10 till 11 a.m. walk the dog, 11 till 12, blah, blah, blah. You get the picture. The thing is, by doing it this way, I knew in the back of my mind that really some emails could be left until tomorrow or later, as could the social media planning. So I didn't actually hold any respect for that calendar day that I planned out for myself. But that also meant I lost track of the stuff that did need to be done on that day. So a great plan of action is this, to have in your calendar just two things. One, your meetings and appointments, things that are happening on a certain day at a certain time, they're booked in. Two, things that have to be done on a certain day, like meet a deadline or call a person or post something. <laughs> your tasks then live elsewhere in a task list, not in a calendar, in a task list. There's lots more information about that in podcast episode three, which is called Productivity for a Clear Mind. So do give that a listen after this. And finally, on this point, consider putting relevant information with the calendar entry, like the location of the meeting or somebody's phone number if you're calling them, etc. So it's just all in one place. Your calendar is set up, your one calendar. <laughs> it has your commitments in it, but not your tasks. So it's not confusing to you. So now we have to, five, get into the habit of consulting and reviewing your calendar. How often do you wake up in the morning and think, oh, beep, I need to do X this afternoon and I haven't prepped for it, or I'm sure today is the day that I promised to cover that class or something along those lines. Reviewing your calendar is key and something that you should do regularly. Get into the habit of checking what's coming up over the next few days. If your memory is anything like mine, you'll need to do this a few times a day. <laughs> and then 
at least a couple of times a week, take a look at the next few weeks. It's amazing how quickly things creep up on us. If things are looking busy over the next few weeks, great. You're aware of that. You don't need to be booking in anything else. If things look quiet, you could maybe book in a workshop or take some time off or invest in an online course. Six, be realistic and be flexible. With all your time-specific and day-specific commitments in one place, when you take an overview, it shows you how much time you have or don't have in many cases. I've so often fallen into the trap of, yeah, I'd love to go for coffee. Hmm, okay, I'm free Thursday morning. Let's meet then. Without realising I'll be then straight off heading to my lunch class and then it's two o'clock by the time I get home. So two o'clock before I've opened my laptop, which is completely fine, assuming that I haven't promised anyone anything on that morning or in that day. In order to get that overview, First of all, you need to 100% trust yourself that everything is in that one place. Hence the emphasis that I put on that over the first three steps, which are have one calendar, include all your roles and make sure that everything's in it. My coach talks about calendar entries as boulders in a river. Everything flows around them. They don't move, they don't budge, but they're not completely in the way. Your tasks flow around the day-specific and time-specific commitments. But just to hammer the point home, you don't want to book anything into a specific time if it doesn't have to be done at that time, because you'll know this deep down, and it'll mean that you don't trust your whole day. So don't fall into that trap. This also allows you to be more flexible. If you know what definitely has to happen on a certain day, and what you'd like to happen on a certain day, you'll get that from episode three, but then an opportunity comes up. You'll know whether you can grab it or whether you'd be overextending yourself. Or if you're feeling under the weather, you don't have to rearrange tasks as well as meetings and commitments. It allows for much greater flexibility and with that, creativity and efficiency. Seven. Book in time off. Time off for yoga teachers can sadly be a luxury, but it's non-negotiable. Taking an overview of your calendar reasonably regularly can give you the opportunity to look for a cluster of days or a week or longer where you have no commitments or just a few commitments, maybe things that can be moved or covered. Book that time as you can as time off in capitals in your calendar so that you're not tempted to take on cover for a class or book in a private session over that time. I completely agree and totally empathise that times have been tough and turning down work can feel really counterintuitive. But surely you became a yoga teacher in order to feel better, to feel more healthy, more energised, more inspired. Well, that all comes with time off as well as other things as we know. Eight, look for efficiencies. As you take an overview of tomorrow, the next few days, the next few weeks, look for efficiencies. If there's someone you've been planning to meet up with, but you've just not got round to it, and 
then you see you covering a class near the house soon. See if you can meet up then. Or if you've a morning class and a lunch class at the same studio, see if you can practice there and do some admin using their Wi-Fi to cut down on your travel time, etc. Nine, set reminders. If you're using a digital calendar, you can set it to remind you of an event beforehand, say 10 or 15 minutes. This is so, so useful if you're one of those people who uh, tends to lose track of time a little. Last but not least is 10. Know yourself. Luckily, knowing yourself and increasing that knowing is in our practice of yoga. Svadhyaya, self-study. You'll probably have a good idea of what points in the day you're most efficient and the points in the day when you struggle to (laughs) string a sentence together. So schedule with that in mind. Don't book in a planning meeting with a yoga teacher you're running a workshop with in the mid-afternoon if you tend to have an energy slump then. Similarly, you might not want to meet a friend at 10 if you're at your most productive then because you might be best bashed through your emails. You know you. So use this knowledge as best you can. Keep svadhyaya-ing. Keep studying yourself and working and resting accordingly. And that's it, folks. (laughs) Remember, time is a finite resource. It's incredibly precious. So let's use it wisely. As ever, I hope that this has been useful to you. We'd love to know how you're finding these episodes and if they've been helpful. Let me know by emailing hello at yogahero.co.uk or sending a DM to Yoga Hero Teachers on Instagram. And as always, take care and happy, happy teaching. <laughs>